What is happening, people of the interwebs? It is time for another episode of the Do Things Podcast. But before we get to the show, a quick word from our sponsors. And if you happen to be thinking to yourself, well, now I don't know where to get started. I understand Anchor.fm is great, but how do I make a podcast? I have got you covered. We have a brand new course called Do Podcast that take you from start to finish everything you need to know about making and distributing your podcast. There is a free course where you can learn everything you need to know to use just your phone to create your very own podcast. Go to dothingsonline.com and start today. We can't wait for you to do that podcast. I honestly don't even, I don't even really know where to start. I mean, I have an idea of where I want to go, but I, I don't even really know where to start. There's so much happening. There's so many things that are going on around all of us right now. And it's crazy. It's literally out of control. It's spiraling to a place that I have never seen in my life. Uh, and I don't know that our kids will ever see anything like this again. At least I hope they don't. Um, the, the level of anger and fear and frustration and selfishness and and personal desire for our way is overwhelming and i didn't i knew i i felt like i needed to say something i needed to do something cuz i do things that's what i do but i wanted to do something and 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 try and be impartial and try and show love and try and be honest all at the same time and i think that's extremely difficult right now we're in a very strange we're in a very strange place that it's very difficult to be honest and to show love and to speak truth that's that's a very almost impossible or at least seemingly impossible thing to do. And I don't know if, if this is exactly what um, everyone needs to hear right now, but this is what I feel like I really need to share. There's so much happening around us and I've started with that and, and it's out of control. The, the death of George Floyd and the lead up to what is now the burning of America is kind of what it's turned into is something that we need to talk about in general, as a country, we need to talk about it as individuals, no matter what your race or ethnicity ethnicity is. And as the church, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about what's going on and we need to, we need to look at it and, and, and be honest and look at facts but be kind and show love and 
deal with this in a way that will actually make a difference. And I think the things that I've seen that I love is I've, I, I see these peaceful protests of these peaceful people that are going and wanting their voice to be heard and saying, this has got to stop, which I totally agree with. Unfair treatment of anybody on any level is wrong. And what happened to George Floyd is based on the evidence that I see is 100% wrong. Not only the police officer that did it, but the police officers that stood around. That's out of my control. I can't change what happens there directly. But I can do something here that maybe impacts someone that does something that does something that eventually makes a difference. But maybe I want to start there. Maybe I want to start this. This is kind of where I felt we would end, but I want to talk about control. We don't control much of anything. As a matter of fact, we only control two things. We only actually control two things. And the first one, which is probably the most critical and the most important and the most difficult to control is our perspective, is our mind, is how we see things, how we interpret what is going on, how we interpret what we believe, and how we direct where we're going to go. And in this current situation that we find ourselves in, perspective is really hard to get a grasp on. Specifically, this morning I was watching a live stream of a a guy um, that was walking down the street, Stephen Crowder's his name. He was walking down the street and he was walking through Dallas to just kind of survey the damage and look at the what what happened from the rioting and the looting, not the peaceful protest because the peaceful protest there was probably there was trash. But the rioting and the looting, which is the part that I really, really have a problem with, he was just walking down the street and there was actually a gentleman there who happened to be black and he was painting uh, a picture, a really cool looking picture. Uh, and and Stephen stopped to try and talk to him just kind of to get his feedback. It It went from a very peaceful conversation and it turned into anger and it turned into, didn't turn into violence, but it was, it, it very well could have quickly turned into that. And I watched that and I think, the, the the level of what I heard come out of this man's mouth that didn't make sense from a factual standpoint it it didn't it didn't actually map to anything other than justifying what he was doing which technically was graffiti it was it was a nice looking picture it was it was cool um but technically it was on a business that he didn't own and didn't say that he had any rights to do. So was that wrong? Probably. Was it a way to maybe protest better than looting and rioting? And then I, I start going down. Oh, I don't know if you've ever gone down a rabbit hole on the internet, but they exist. And, and I was going down this rabbit hole and I start looking at some of these other videos and, and I've had, I've got a friend uh, Jason, if you if you're watching or listening to this, shout out to you. He's sh- he's sending me a lot of stuff that that isn't necessarily being published elsewhere. But there's a video um, of an individual on uh, in in one of the cities. I'm not sure which one it was, but he was on the standing on a street corner and he's he's got the phone in selfie mode and he says, "Hey, look at this, look at the th- this," and he's pointing at a pile of bricks, a pile of bricks, 
that were brought in on a pallet. And he says, look, this is a setup. Why are these here? This is, this is not right. Who brought a pallet of bricks and now is wanting us with our anger and our frustration and our fear to throw them? That's not good. And then I watched another video where it appears that police officers are vandalizing their own vehicle. They're vandalizing their own vehicle to make it look like rioters are doing destructive behavior that isn't helping the situation. But the police officers in this video looks like they're doing this. I couldn't believe it. And then this other video that I saw that really caught my attention and the headline was, watch these cops arrest this FBI agent. And I thought, wow, okay, here we go. And so I'm watching this video and it's a black gentleman, two white cops come up to him and they're saying, hey, you look like someone that has a warrant out. He said, the black gentleman says, no, I'm not. The cops say, um, well, we need some identification. He says, no, I'm not him. And they go back and forth. Finally, they get him up and in this, the gentleman is not happy because he's saying it's not him. They handcuff him. And based on the title of the video, I'm assuming he's an FBI agent and these cops just aren't asking the right questions. Yet this individual is not saying something about being an FBI agent, which I would assume would be something that they say up front. So they go through and, and they, they, uh, they get him in handcuffs and he says to his buddy who's filming, he says, hey, watch this. This is going to be hilarious. The cops pull out his wallet and they look at his identification and they both look at each other and look back down at it and they look at each other and they say, sorry, sir, you're free to go. Now, it turns out if you go down in the comments and read further, he is not an FBI agent. He just happened to be a person, a notable person that was not the person they were looking for. And for some reason, obviously so, I guess, I don't know. Um, but the thing that is that I'm seeing about all of this is all of this could be true. All of those videos could be true. None of those videos could be true. It could all be setups. It could all be truth. We don't know. We aren't there. We can't see. And that's one of the things that people talk about right now. If we don't see the video, we don't believe it. But videos can be doctored. Videos can be faked. Videos can be set up. So what do we do? Where do we go? How do we, how do we make sense of everything that's happening around us? And the thing that I keep coming back to for me as a Christian is the Bible and my faith. And I asked the question, how would Jesus respond? How would Jesus tell us to respond? What in this crisis moment, when we have racially divided groups that are causing major, major fear and anxiety and destruction across our entire country, how should we handle this? What should we do? And it... it as I, as I, as I think through this and, and I, I talk through this to myself and with my wife and with my friends, the thing, the theme that I see throughout these videos, especially the one where the cops are just, if, if the cops are vandalizing their own vehicles so that they can justify treating others in a way that's not necessary and inappropriate and wrong, that's totally, that, that is ridiculous. But the reason that they do it is to justify being able to do the things that they want to do because they have some sort of grievance or 
or they have some sort of pent up frustration or anger, or they had an experience that they want to take out on somebody else. Same thing with the people that are rioting. Most of the people that are rioting are coming in from other cities. They're not from the place where these people are protesting. They're organized. It, it's not what it appears to be. And what do we do? How do we respond? And as I think through the justification and, and using all these to justify the, that video about the cops arresting an FBI agent, that was justification for people to go out and do more rioting, do more looting, cause more violence, destruction. All these things are being used as weapons. They're weaponizing this maybe true, maybe not true, but it doesn't matter because it's on video. So we're going to be able to use it and it hits and it goes so fast that you can't even catch up. Oh, by the way, he wasn't an FBI agent. Nope. Never mind. That thing's already done. That beating's already that that beating's already taken place. I saw a video. I I I almost couldn't finish it because it was something that it just it was it was a group of people that were going to loot a store. They they went in and there was a gentleman, not a smart idea, out in front of the store with a sword and he was trying to defend it. You may have seen this video. And these, this group of people beat him within inches of his life. From what I understand, he survived. But they beat him within inches of his life because he was trying to stand up for what he believed to be truth. Now, should he have been in that situation? I don't think so. I don't know. I'm not there. I'm not him. I wouldn't have done that if I was him. But then that video goes out and that justifies people to do other... It, it's endless. But we need to stop and say, what do we do? Where do we go? What do we look at? And as I thought through the justification and how people are justifying these things, it took me to a story in the Bible where Jesus is talking. I love it when Jesus talks because the authority that he has being God in human form, and it, it, it just comes with a place from this is the words, literally the words of God. And I love that because that's what I believe, that the Bible is the word of God and Jesus was God as man on earth, he died and was resurrected. And in this story here, uh, it's in the book of Luke in the New Testament. And you may have heard this story before. Uh, this is a very um, popular story. It's called the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus spoke in parables because it was that was how he was able to give truths within illustrations that people could understand. And that's something that I think is very important when you're trying to get something across, get a point across to serve it up in a way that people actually get it. They actually understand. And in this scenario, um, he's he's speaking and people are asking him questions. And I've said it before on, on Jesus and Coffee, you've heard it. And and I've, I've decided that I'm putting this on all of my channels. Um, so you may not know about the Jesus and Coffee show, but I, I say people are always trying to catch Jesus. People are always trying to catch, trip him up. We're going to catch him in a lie. And then therefore, that's going to be our justification for finishing him off, for getting rid of him, for having his followers unfriend him, right? Um, they couldn't unfriend back then, but that's what we do now. So here in, uh, in Luke 10, verse 25, it starts here. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. He's testing Jesus. He says it right there. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? How do I get to heaven? Hey, dude, how do I do it? And Jesus says in verse 26, what is written in the law? He answers with a question. I love that. Uh, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? 
verse 27, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, last episode, I talked about this exact thing where people ask Jesus, what are the most important commandments? He said exactly that, quoting from the Old the Old Testament. And Jesus says in verse 28, you have answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. End of story, right? Finish it up, close the book, moving on. No. In verse 29, it takes an interesting turn. This man's trying to test Jesus. He's trying to get Jesus to trip up. And he says, ah, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He's justifying. He's saying there's somebody, he's probably in this scenario, I imagine, he's got somebody in his mind. He's like, I've got this person that's causing me problems and I got to take care of them. So I got to make sure that I'm in the right here because I am, uh, you know, an important person or I'm in leadership or I'm a pastor, right? And I have to do this. So I need to make sure that it's righteous. I make sure that I'm justified in what I'm doing. And Jesus then tells this story. Verse 30, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. A priest, a leader of the church, a leader in the temple, saw a man in need, went to the other side of the street and passed, ignored it. I don't have time. I don't know what his justification was for not helping, but he chose not to. So too, in verse 32, a Levite, the Levites are the families that the priests come from, so a priestly family, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. A second person that is supposed to be an example, supposed to set the precedent for how people are supposed to act. He sees a man beaten within inches of his life, crossed the other side of the street. I don't have time. Not my problem. Not my job. Not my person. Not my friend not my brother, insert whatever you want, not my, I'm moving on. Now comes the good part. Verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Okay, now you guys, something you need to understand here, Samaritans and Jews hated each other. Samaritans and Jews did not interact. There's another story where Jesus goes to, uh, he sits at a well and there's a Samaritan woman and the Samaritan woman's first response is, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, we shouldn't, you shouldn't be here. In the, earlier, actually, in Luke, there's a section here, uh, starting in verse 51, this is just giving you a little bit more of uh, insight as to the Samaritan Jewish situation. As the time approached for him to be taken up into heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. 
and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. They wouldn't even let him come in because of where he was going. You understand that? And then I want you to hear the response of the disciples in verse 54 of Luke 9. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? Do you want to just like take care of these people? They didn't welcome you in. You are God. Let's just burn them up. Here's Jesus' response. Verse 55, but Jesus turned and rebuked them and they went to another village. Jesus said, no, that's not how we handle this. That's not how we do things. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's finish out this story here over in uh, back to Luke 10, verse 36. After he tells the story of the Good Samaritan and he then comes back to the man that asked the question. He says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? This is a fairly basic question, right? However, understand this Jewish person who asked the question has this already has this racism towards a Samaritan. He does not like Samaritans. And as a matter of fact, in his response, he won't even say Samaritan. I don't know if that's relevant or not. I just read that and it strikes me. I say, huh, he didn't say Samaritan. Yet Jesus specifically calls him out as a Samaritan in the story. Verse 37, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. He didn't say, oh, the Samaritan. He said the one that had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. You guys, if Jesus was here and he was seeing all this, I mean, he is here and he is seeing all this, but if he was physically here, if Jesus was on earth in physical form and we could physically talk to him and he could respond and tell us what's going on, he would just be shaking his head. He would be looking at what we're doing and how we're using things that may or may not be true and may actually probably are completely taken out of context to justify our actions that are completely selfish and self-serving and absolutely disregarding our neighbors. Whether they are our neighbor neighbors that we, we call our neighbors our brothers or whether they're the Samaritans. I don't care what side you're on. The other side is still your neighbor. You need to treat them as such. We need to look at the situation and say, how can I be better? We all have to do better. How can I be better though? Because the one thing we, we talked about, there's two things you can control. The first is your perspective. How do you see the situation? How do you react and you start yourself down a path of action, your perspective. The next, the only other thing we can control is our effort. We can control our perspective and our effort. What is the action you're going to take? 
And that action better line up with what Jesus says in Scripture. Because if we have no other compass, we can look on the internet and we can find all kinds of different things that agree and disagree with things that we've seen, examples of people that have been hurt because everybody's been hurt. Some people on different levels than others. Some people have actually had constant and consistent struggles that is out of their control. At every age, in every demographic, in every location, there is somebody somewhere that is being hurt right now that deserves justice. You guys, we can't control anything but our perspective and our effort. And as we look out and we see the people that are hurting and we see the people that are angry and we see the people that are fearful and then we see the people that just want to see it all burn, we can't make them stop. We can't control them. We can only control us and we can only control how we see things and then how we present that to others to hopefully make that change. It's slow, which is not something we're used to. We are not a patient society. I'm not a patient person. We're used to getting it now. We're used to instant. We're used to fast internet. If our computer doesn't boot up right away and we can get right to our YouTube video, we get really irritated and frustrated and angry. That's not how this is going to work. We have to be patient. I have to tell myself that all the time. I have to be patient. But the biggest thing that we need to remember, we need to love the creator of this universe. I believe that God created this universe, the God of this Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jesus, who was God, in my opinion, 100% incarnate. And this word is something that we can look to to say, hey, what do we do? We're missing that, guys. What do we do? We, we look here. We don't have to scour the internet. We don't have to get a motivational tweet or quote or speech. Just look here. And then use discernment. Use the spirit. And lastly, guys, we need to pray. We need to use the biggest weapon that we have as Christians, and that is our direct line of communication with God. I've been convicted recently about how little effort I'm actually putting into this. And by this, I don't mean my faith. I mean sharing my faith and being more active and vowing to be more vocal about what I believe and using these platforms that have been given to us and been given to me to be able to speak out and do everything I can for the kingdom. And I want to challenge you guys to do the same and to pray. Pray simple prayers. It doesn't have to be flamboyant, which actually is better if it's not. Have a conversation with God. Ask for help. Be grateful the fact that you woke up this morning. No matter what issues you've come across throughout the day, 
be grateful. Life's not perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Our government is not perfect. Our leaders are not perfect. Our churches are definitely not perfect. God is perfect. And this is where we need to look. It's that simple. It's not complicated. However, it's difficult. It's not complicated, but it can be difficult. And it takes humility and it takes patience. And all of that happens through perspective and effort. Lord, I just come to you right now and I thank you so much for your word. This this time that we live in this crazy, crazy, scary world, um, Lord, it's out of control. And we lift it to you. We open our hands and we ask for you to use us, whether that's grabbing a broom and sweeping the street or it's listening to someone that has had a problem or is angry or communicating our love for you and our belief in truth. Lord, you have this all in your hands. We know that. Yet we struggle with what's happening right now. We ask for guidance as we navigate this time as Christians, as non-Christians, and as we speak to each other. Lord, we just ask for guidance and, and wisdom. And more than anything, Lord, we ask that you would help us be kind and love our neighbors. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity we have to come together on the internet, a thing that can be used for good and can be used for bad. We ask that you would help us use this tool for your kingdom. We know the time is coming soon. We won't know the hour, but we know it's coming. Lord, empower us. We love you. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for grace. And we ask that you would help us show grace and love to others. In your name we pray. Amen.